Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight Entertainment. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez. We're back here with the show that brings you all of the latest stories coming to the world of movies and more. And, well, what else will we be discussing this week but then more movies that have released, both in theaters and in streaming. This week, we are reviewing one of the films that we have been teasing for a couple of weeks now, and that is the latest and greatest from Alex Garland, the creator that brought you Ex Machina and Annihilation, one of which everyone saw, the other one, no one did. Um, And it seems that men will follow in Annihilation's footsteps of being seen by basically nobody. Uh, $3.5 million. That's bad. Um, Yes, the movie was men. Uh, the horror movie Men starring Jesse Buckley uh, and Rory Kinnear. And then also, unexpectedly, because, and let's be real here, Disney Plus, when it comes to their original films, has really, and the expectation, by the way, from Peter, well, let's just say Peter, because he was the first one to call it, and so far he's been the, early, the, the only one to call it exactly as it's, you know, as, as it should be descriptive. Disney Plus, when it comes to original films, has been a so, and I do not count the films that were meant to be theatrical, but then were dumped on there like Pixar. Fuck off with that. I am talking about the films that were greenlit for that service, have been associated with the smell of a dumpster fire. And that's putting it lightly, I would say. So, that's why I didn't really care, but evidently I was, you know, I. Peter got me to care, and so now we're going to review Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, currently streaming on Disney+, Plus, starring Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. So there's that. That's going to be our show today on Red Spotlight number 394. A lot of episodes. Before um, we get going, a couple of We're going to have a very, very special surprise for the 400. Yeah, episode. sure. Well, the 400, there won't be one. We'll see. Anyway, uh, we'll just skip the 401. We'll just not even have an, an, a 400 episode. I um, I do want to clarify that the, the title for last week's episode, Peter, even though you weren't there in person, it was mm-hmm. um, in your honor. <laughs> oh, this was a, God. This was a line from... Um, from Wanda Maximoff in the movie Multiverse of Madness, where she says, you have exhausted my patience. And that's basically <laughs> how Alexis Moreno was, uh, how she felt like toward you. So mm. that's why it was named In Your Honor, um, even though you weren't there. So, Well, I to, to, <laughs> to that point, I would just call her a coward. Why would she will say this in podcast, but not to my face? So, okay, somewhat cowardly, I would say. Okay. Um. Also, we'll be discussing some of these things on the show today. But um, look, these next few weeks is they're going to be a little difficult for us to play catch up with because. There's just so much. There's too much content happening. Just this week in theaters, there are two films that I assume are going to have reviews for, which is Top Gun Maverick and then also the Bob's Burgers movie. That's just Mm -hmm. in theaters. 
And then on top of all of that, it is a giant, massive week for streaming. We've got the fourth, the long anticipated fourth season of Stranger Things on Netflix, the first seven episodes. And then Ewan McGregor makes a comeback in the Star Wars universe. His own show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, drops. Oh, and by the way, Star Wars Celebration happens this weekend. So there's like so much like happening just in these next few weeks. So I don't know. It's a bad time for you to get deported, huh? Yeah, and I'm leaving the country. <laughs> I'm going on vacation uh, this weekend. That's so what we're calling it. It is. Yeah, it sure. Him. That's what I'm calling it. But um, I will be back at some point. The problem is Hopefully. when I'm back, a lot of this will feel like old news. So it's going to be a lot of like catch up. So I assume, Peter, the next time you and I um, do a podcast, I have to assume both of us will have at least seen the two episodes that will drop for Kenobi. And I, uh, and I think also uh, Stranger Things. Why would you assume that? Um, that's, I'm just guessing that's what that could happen here. Anywho, that's Stranger Things episodes. Each one is that length of a fucking movie. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> that's just want to let the audience know it's going to be an interesting, uh, couple of weeks where we play uh, catch up here. Also, before we get into anything, um, uh, Mr. Martinez, uh, as I, um, Mentioned Live and last breathe. week. Yeah. I mentioned last week that he had uh, interrupted our recording. He called into the show, although you couldn't hear it on the mic because he wasn't mic'd up. He was currently at Disneyland. So okay. since you have returned, I, uh, I'd i like to hear uh, what your overall experience was. Mm. What notable stuff did you do? The parking. It's atrocious. Okay, where, where did where did you park? Is atrocious. Where did you park? The wait times okay. atrocious. Mm. The walking availability just to walk, just to exist in that park. Atrocious. <laughs> no, but seriously. You don't think I was serious in everything I just said? No, but I mean, but you have more to say, so continue. Oh, I guess. Um, I went to the land of Disney. Um, and honestly, what a narcissist to call it Disneyland. Like every, his name, I don't know, that's crazy. But yeah, I went to Disneyland. Um. Yeah, it was there was some there was a lot of those some fun stuff going on there. So this is your first time experiencing uh Rise of the Resistance. This is your first yes. time uh building a droid. Oh yeah, yes. So how did all that go? Um long lines for Rise. Uh Rise was a lot of fun. I really I really liked it. I think it was a good ride. A plus. Um, I really liked it. I think maybe they could have had more 
of an interesting Q line. Huh. There's just not much going on in the line. See, this is where you and I have different experiences because we didn't really have much of an opportunity to uh, experience that Q because when the re- when our group went, they still had the boarding passes. So we just kind of like zipped past there and um, got on the ride. So we never mm-hmm. had – I wish I would have had more of an opportunity to experience what's in there. But from what I just imagined, it was just a cave with the rebel stuff in it. That was it. Mm-hmm. Very uninteresting. Um, and that's disappointing because Moreno recently went to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. the land of warts. Oh, the, the queue and... for the Forbidden Journey attraction. Oh, my goodness. There's so much stuff the, in that room. I mean, not in all the, the rooms. The the wait line mm-hmm. for yeah the that Harry Potter ride, fantastic. Yeah, it's so awesome. Um, the like I would argue that if you didn't have you know time to experience the line, like if you're just zipping by everything, you're missing half the ride. Yeah. Um. Because there's just so much with the the pictures moving everywhere, the characters pop up. You get to see um, Dumbledore's office, and um, of course the Potter kids pop in. Like there's just so much. Mm-hmm. And with Rise of the Resistance, it's like this is a cave. I guess there's blasters in there. This is a box of thermal detonators in the corner. Okay, like, yeah, they needed more uh, to, to really just be like, whoa, ooh, ah, you know, as you're waiting, like, especially because they knew this thing was going to have fucking long wait times, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. But the ride itself, really well done, really cool. I think the storytelling for the ride is cool. You know, oh, you're, you're you're trying to leave Batu. You get captured by the First Order. You get boarded. Um, you get captured as prisoner. The Resistance, you know, gets you out, and then you're trying to escape. Mm-hmm. That's great, perfect, fun. All the character stuff, really cool. Um. And then I think I told you this. I'm glad that it was mostly like a ride and not just flying mm-hmm. in space. Because I, 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 for all future Star Wars rides, they need to veer away from that because it's just been done too much. Mm-hmm. They already have it with Star Tours. They already have it with Han's, uh, not Han. The uh, Smuggler the Run Millennium Falcon. Falcon ride. Yes, yes. And they have it a little bit here, where it's like, okay, let's pull back on the ship stuff. Let's. There's a lot more to Star Wars as far as rides go that you can do. Um. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. No, I mean to me, it's a really uh, successful, immersive experience. Like to me, I don't think anything else has come closer than putting making me feel as if I were like transported to a Star Wars movie. Like you're actually you feel. For most of the time, like you're in a Star Destroyer. Yeah. 
it's really like when those and and you know it wasn't meant to be like this when they when you first get boarded and then they open the 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 bay yeah. doors and then you see like all those stormtroopers mm-hmm. lined up and the vastness of space yeah. the screen mm. it's really good it's really yeah, the collective jaw drops we all had when we walked off and we saw that what you just described. Honestly, that's the stuff that's really um the best that uh the best immersion these kind of attractions can be like. And so, yeah, and I also although I think to a far lesser degree, but I still really enjoyed uh the smuggler run attraction. Uh just riding in the I know it's you know, it's a spaceship and you're flying, but it's the Millennium Falcon and you feel like you're in the Millennium Falcon. That was mm-hmm. fun. Also, yeah. uh, to me, my favorite part of the ride was seeing that Hondo animatronic. Oh, God. Uh, well, they got a guy in makeup for part of oh, yeah, it. Yeah, part of it. But I think when you're going into it before, there's you see him. And then, of course, the cue is the Millennium Falcon or the, I guess, like the... The hole or the other part, the other rooms of the Millennium Falcon? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, the biggest issue, and I think everyone said this, is that it's, it's, they're trying too hard to be immersive. Yeah. I think. And it's like, pe- peel it back. Just. Be, um, well, if you thought that was just interesting, just have cool Star Wars the, stuff, the, you know the speed cruiser stuff. Have you seen the footage that's come out of Orlando? No, the speed cruiser stuff. This this is the Star know. Wars hotel, the quote unquote Star Wars. Oh hotel. yeah, 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 yeah. That is. There's almost no words to describe what that was. And and listen, I know there are a lot of people that would love to do this over and over again. I would love to do it once. I can't imagine myself wanting to do it so many times over, especially for the money you're just sitting on fire for it. Because this is not vacation. This is work, it feels like. Yeah, you're constantly moving. That's why it's not like a... It, it's it's a LARP, like it's a whole. It's, it's a, a live action role play, as you say. Yeah, it's a whole mission, and you're part of the story. And like every person, every cast member is in character, and the it's whole like, time, yeah. yeah, it's con. I think one of the reviewers I was watching that was experiencing this was like saying, it is just, it the energy is almost always chaotic. I'd imagine so, right? Like it's that just constant. And stressful. And like that doesn't sound like a good vacation to me. <laughs> and I, you're, I, you're at Walt Disney World and you're going to do this? It's And it's $2,000. Wow. 2000 and, and And for me, it's so weird that these people, not these people, um, like the Disney people are so like committed to like quote unquote immersion. How's this for immersion? Have some aliens just walk around, mm-hmm. and um, well, in your land, in the in the Star Cruiser, there are some really good alien. Oh work yeah, that I yeah. did see. So I mean, of course, you're paying the two thousand dollars, but in general, the the land itself, the mm-hmm. theme park, which is by the way the main fucking attraction, as far as I'm concerned, that area, that space needs 
fucking, first of all, characters, but yes, aliens walking around to make it feel inhabited. Yeah. Not just like people that are like, you know, theme park visitors. Mm-hmm. Avengers Campus has li- literally nothing to offer as far as like anything good is concerned, except with Mission Breakout. That is a wonderful attraction. Everything else is pointless. Why? But you know, why are the only rides Guardians related? I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. But they get something right that the Galaxy's Edge did not get right, and that was they have a constant stream of characters just walking around the place. Well, yeah, because it's easy. It's just like we yeah. got an endless list of superheroes. Where where it was with Star Wars again? This is why I've always said Star Wars is not Marvel. So change it. No, no, seriously. They, they, yeah, they yeah, handcuffed no, sure. themselves to this timeline. It was line. really stupid. Like, yeah, it then just really change it. Just, just retroactively go back and then have all the characters walk around. People want to go see Ewoks. The, they want to see Jawas, Tusken Raiders, all the all the like Ahsoka, Mando, sure, even like Ezra, Sabine, mm-hmm. Luke, young Luke, old Luke. It doesn't matter. Just bring all of them in. People want to see characters. And I think it could have been you could have just done something. You could have just said, like, this is a space station representative. This is a massive space station representative of all the different worlds, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, in on this station, you know, here's where Tatooine world is, you know, representatives of Tatooine. And um, uh, just different planets, right? Mm-hmm. Because the fact that they don't have the Mandalorian walking around with like a little puppeted baby Yoda is yeah. insane. That's insane yeah. that they can't do that or they won't do that. The fact that you don't have his ship anywhere. Um, ridiculous. Ridiculous. And by the way, this is they actually are doing the same thing too with Avengers. Like, I'm sorry. I feel like they're really fucking up. Like, Cause, and I, they are. This is not a controversial opinion. What you're saying is not anything new. We've been saying this for years. Yeah. Avengers Campus may be the single biggest fuck up they ever have. Marvel is the single biggest cash cow the Disney studio has. And as far as what they've been able to do that with the parks, which is another one of, those, of their big cash cows, that company, it is a piss poor embarrassment if you if you ask me with what avengers campus is first of all it is a lackluster ugly collection of buildings that amount to nothing Mm -hmm. there is no there's nothing creative about it and i would be forgiving of that if you at least brought the money to invest in wonderful rides and guess what you didn't except you didn't all you Except for Guardians, which is a, in my view, a masterpiece of a, of an, a theme park attraction. Then you have that Spider Man, which is just Toy Story Midway Mania, like with a, like a makeover. There was, at some point, the promise of a of a large scale e ticket uh, Avengers attraction that has since been scrapped, and I guess that's that. Wow! What what a disaster! In my view, the that's only way embarrassing. It is embarrassing, and they should be, you know, honestly ashamed of themselves. The, Hon- I hate that. I hate it. The biggest theme park company in the world with the biggest cash cow um, property movie franchise. movie franchise in the world, and they can't do shit with. And and I told you, it's the same with like Star Wars. 
don't handcuff yourself to any like this idea of like oh it's avengers camp like they they try to be too realistic it's like okay well why would they all be here oh it's a campus to learn i don't know i don't but even that's really stupid like a campus for avengers i don't know yeah that's some cw title shit um what they should have done is you could go two routes right you could say like the collector has collected different worlds right Mm-hmm. So you're in the collector's vault and, and he's collected different uh, places throughout the galaxy, including Earth and planets and whatever. Or, and I actually think this is the cool thing, um, when you go to, when you're in the Avengers, Marvel, really the Marvel section, um, you go through portals, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could have like gates that have the the Doctor Strange portal thing. Mm-hmm. And you walk through, and you're a new, you're in Avengers New York, right? And and there's the mm-hmm. Avengers Tower. Um, and then you lock, you walk out, you go to another portal, and you're in um, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, Z- Zandar. Yeah. Um, and you just keep doing shit like that. Another one, you're at uh, where Thor's from? Um, um, Asgard. Asgard, right? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. No, it's whatever. And I mean, it, it should, you know, go... It should not go unmentioned that um, lately, these last few years, Disney Imagineering has been handcuffed. It's not just a matter of budget cuts, but the new CEO, Bob Chapek, does not value the worth of Imagineers, not since he was the head of the parks division. He has cut their budgets, their, you know, budgets particularly in half. And as of recently, he banished them to Florida, forced them to move to Florida with the guise of like, oh, you're going to get a fancy new building over there. The CEO of the Walt Disney Company is openly antagonistic to Walt Disney Imagineering. Think about that. Um, yeah. I mean... But to be fair, even Bob Iger didn't get this right. Yeah, sure. After Avengers with the, was the biggest movie in the world at the time. Yeah. They should have immediately They should have jumped started. on it. You're right, they should have, yeah. Because that's what they did with Star Wars. They bought Star Wars, Star Wars and immediately were like, boom. Um, mm-hmm. Star Wars land, let's go. Mm-hmm. After they acquired Avengers and it was the biggest movie in the world, why didn't they do anything with? They didn't like Infinity War, not Infinity War, Endgame, literally biggest money making movie of all time. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um. One of the things I did I didn't want to move on before we get off of this was uh something that continues to go unmentioned in all circles when it comes to the Star Wars community. You know, what does go mentioned is, you know, the slavish adoration for Mando, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Maybe you'll get in like, oh, I love characters like Cassie and Andor. Oh, I love, one. I love Rogue One. I love the Rosario Dawson Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't it so cool? Boba Fett, yeah. Um, you know, it's never talked about. Um, 
Ray, The Last Jedi, the sequel films. Ooh. And yet, every time you come back from Disney, you seemingly have the exact same thing to report. And that is the kids, by the way, the primary audience for which these films are intended for. I don't give a fuck who that pisses off. The creator of Star Wars himself has said this several times over. Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is for 12-year-olds. They're the ones who these movies are made for with the intent for them to get the most uh, amount of enjoyment out of these films. And every time you come back from these parks, Peter, you say the same thing. The kids, this generation, love these characters. Whereas the rest of the fandom, I'm not even sure... They'd want to admit it if they saw it. Because they so hate the sequel trilogy. They want to cling on to this like narrative that like, oh, Kathy, she fucked it up. And of course, Disney ruined the Star Wars movies and all these like bullshit narratives in which, you know what? I would be far more willing to be like to engage with it if like, I don't know. There's, I think, a lot of legitimate hate that should be thrown at Kathy. That should be thrown at J.J. But instead, yeah. we're just like, well, you know, it's Disney. Oh, and then also, fuck Ruin Johnson. That's where it always goes back to. And now uh, you know what? Fuck them. Um. Sure. Yeah. Are you really not gonna say anything else? I mean. I assume I'll have a lot to say when Obi-Wan comes. Okay, let's go on to the trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder. We just saw this just a few hours ago. Yeah. And let me tell you something. It has been a long-ass time where I have seen a trailer and immediately just be so reaffirmed in the statement I would say next. And that is, this looks fucking great. This looks like a great movie. Not a great TV episode. You know? <laughs> Not another um, who gives a fuck misadventure of, you know, meaningless empty pap that is so vapid and lifeless and, you know, ugly and poorly made. This looks like the best of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe used to give us, but maybe even better than that because... I mean, this just looks like a film. This just looks like a story from every, you know, sense of the word. It, even the effects and the landscapes look, I don't know, the best they've had in several movies. It's the colors popping. The colors popping, but they also don't look cheap or fake or bad or, you know, no. quickly drawn up or lazy. All of it looks fantastic. Taika Waititi. I mean, Jesus. Like, honestly, this this trailer was so good. By the way, the first one was really good. This one was so good. I think that we're looking at the movie of the summer. I'm all in on this one. I think this is, like, my most anticipated movie of the summer. I mean, at this point, yeah. <laughs> um, Now it looks good. I don't... Uh. I really, really enjoyed the trailer. I think it's still not showing too much. No, I, I, I would say. Uh, yeah, I just everything about it, and and this is the thing. 
I agree with you in that it looks like a movie. And by the way, this is everything I said back when Ragnarok came out. Mm-hmm. Not to shit on Ragnarok, because I don't think it's bad. But I, I, it was just this thing of like, I just want him to make his own Thor movie, right? Mm-hmm. And this is it. Yeah. Like, it's very clearly... Um, well, Ragnarok, to be clear, people story. may be not aware, with well, Ragnarok... It very much was like it was a type of film, but it was a story that was handed to him. Yeah. Here, it seems like he got to bring his own story to the table. Mm-hmm. And with Ragnarok, yeah. certain beats needed to be placed at the end to prime the characters for the big Avengers well, thing. The whole thing of <clears throat> Ragnarok itself. Well, yeah. Right? It had to be about Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Had to include certain characters. Had to be this. Had to be that. Um, I almost guarantee you, a, a lot of this stuff included in this Thor. It was mostly Taika's mm-hmm. because they're they're they pretty much all come from the same run of comic books. So it almost feels like he read that and was like, "Yeah, I'm digging all this. I'm taking this. And I'm going to use it." Um. No, it's fan. I, there's a lot of stuff I'm excited, to, and I and you know what I noticed. I noticed this too. I'm excited to see things in the film, but it's what I'm excited to see. It's not just like a cameo, stand up and clap type thing. Mm-hmm. And I I just realized it's been so long since it's been a film that's just like I'm excited to see things I know. But from a character and story perspective, <laughs> yeah, not just uh, spectacle. I'm just, just not even spectacle. I can take spectacle, mm-hmm. but just from a soulless, here's that thing you know, mm, yeah, type. Really, just, just the the nostalgia cameo, fucking ladder or whatever you call it. Um, because it's like, yeah, I know about Jane Foster being Thor. But what I'm excited about to see with that is the story, mm-hmm. you know, and the relationship between her and Thor. I'm excited to see those character moments. Um, I know Gore. I know Gore as, as Gore, the God Butcher. He looks great, um, man. Christian yeah. Bale looks great. But I'm excited to see what that means for Thor and his character mm-hmm. and, and everything that's going on there. Um, and I'm excited to see the filmmaking because, yeah, yeah it, it looks creative and fun and visually. And beautiful just... and not ugly either. Yeah. And you have to wonder um, because I, I I don't think it's a secret at this point. I have to imagine we might have not like mentioned it on our podcast, but I know for a fact it's been spread out there amongst other podcasts or shows like ours that talk about films and Marvel. And that is – this is the first movie from Marvel Studios where they shot, I don't know how extensively, but they used the volume, which is the um, set that you see on The Mandalorian, correct? I feel like I noticed where they used it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, it's a, a thing. Okay, it's a thing. Um, like at the very end of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Because apparently, whenever they interact with the gore, it becomes a black and white film. Um, Which is so interesting. Like those, that's character. That's, that's style. 
Um, I am interested to see if they bring in the symbiote stuff, but that's mostly from a um. That that's the outside, not from a story perspective, but just from like, are they gonna go there, business wise? Question: Is there a uh, point to do so if there already is a symbiote out there? Well, because what's interesting about that stuff is null, because they they can theoretically have a, a really big storyline with all that. Mm. Because what originally happened was you just had in the comics um, Gore, the God Butcher, and the Necro Sword, and and it, it, no one ever said that it was connected to the symbiotes or anything like that and it wasn't until uh venom comic picked up those ideas and said oh this sword it's actually the sword of the god of the symbiotes Noel, and um he's there's a whole event the king in black where he comes and takes over earth and it's 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 huge and i and i could imagine marvel wanting to do a um what they usually do, right? There's spin on it. Mm-hmm. Same with like Civil War or Infinity Gauntlet or any of these other major um, Marvel crossover events. I could see them wanting to utilize it. But I guess what I'm interested in is like the situation with like Sony. Um, yeah, I, I think like that makes it kind of a moot point, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't. Because I, again, how it was introduced and like contract wise, I don't know how it works. Like, um, nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, from the Guardians, mm-hmm. the Celestial Head. Mm-hmm. It was retconned that Noel, eons ago, cut off that Celestial's head with the Necro Sword. Um. So retconned where? In the comics. Oh, okay. Because Noel is a very recent creation. A very recent comic book character. Like, um... A lot of I, them are recent from what I've seen. There are a lot yeah. of the recent ones got Disney Plus shows already. Well, like, everything that this Thor run is, um... Ev- the Thor run that everything this film is taking from... Mm-hmm. I think it came out in, like, 20... 2012 wow like like that's like gore the god butcher is that old mm-hmm. and then noel is even younger as a character in the comics like i don't know 2015 no 14 i don't know so yeah it's um i don't know how the the rights work i guess because they're so recent i don't know if that does anything to the rights you know i think you really hit the nail on the head though what you said earlier is that is this is the first time in the longest time that i can remember where i am excited for a marvel film primarily because it's it comes across as a film yeah that's centered around the idea of a character and Mm -hmm. a story and nothing else matters and that's fucking exciting honestly Uh, though the only thing I can think of after that is like Guardians 3. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. <laughs> Basically, from my point of view, um, that's Black about where Panther it's going to go. Black Panther 2 will be interesting just from a 
what are they going to do perspective? I I don't I don't know, man. Like I my I've I've always just thought post Chadwick Boseman's un- unfortunate passing um and also what's come to light, I can't help but feel that's going to be a disaster. Maybe not like a bomb or it'll be hated, but I mm-hmm. just I I have a hard time seeing that film resonating the way the first one did. Um, I disagree. I think the death is going to make it that much bigger. Because people are going to... I'm talking about from a quality standpoint. Um, well, I don't think that highly of the quality of the first one. I don't either. So, so like... I don't. I don't... I don't. I'm saying I think, it, I think this will be worse. I don't have much um, of an expectation. For, I, I mean, would this be a bigger film, a bigger event in people's conscious minds? Yes. I yeah. wasn't talking about that. I am talking about as far as the film itself as a whole and how well put together it'll be. I can't imagine this film staying in people's minds the way the first one did. That's not me saying I think highly of but it. I do I not. I think the only reason the first one stayed in people's minds was because it was a cultural hit phenomenon i don't Mm -hmm. think it had to do with the quality of the film i and you agree so no i'm not i i don't disagree with your saying that the the film isn't great it's not but i I don't know i i feel like a lot of people believe that film is a masterpiece like full-heartedly believe that. but i'm not talking about what people believe we're talking about what it is. What it is. At least for us. Um, I mean, did you see what they're uh doing? Um Namor is in it. I don't know why he's in it. They turned it, him but... into a Mexican. Apparently he's no longer from Atlantis. Okay, uh, so he's from the... a sunken Mexican city. Okay, I don't care. I'm I'm, I'm I know honest. you hate beaners. So I don't care. Okay. So, uh, with with Thor, is this going to be uh, a love story? Because that's not what I thought this would be. Not that I'm opposed to it, but there were some uh, moments in the trailer that make me kind of go like, well, what's going on here between Thor and Jane? Is this going to um, go back into a romantic entanglement? or is it just- I think, well, they sold it as a love story, didn't they? I that's what That was my impression, too. I was just surprised because they uh, haven't been a thing, and... That romance is just not well regarded for it. Not that I'm opposed uh, for them to go back into it. I would love for this film to go back into that romance and actually make it work. I'm just surprised they'd go there. It's the year of um, taking those old lame romances and trying to rekindle something with them. That's what they did with Doctor Strange. That's what they attempted with Doctor Strange. Yeah. I liked it. Here, it seems like it'll actually be the focal point, which, again, would have been with Doctor Strange if you didn't have to make it about multiverses, which leads back to my whole thing about, like, just let directors make films. That's a film that could have been great if it wasn't so tied down with what Marvel needed that film to introduce or do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I'm I'm into it. I dig it. I like that idea. Uh, And they're also apparently going to go into her cancer storyline, which there were no hints of in the trailer. Not at all. 
Uh-huh. No, but I have whatsoever. heard that they are, and from leaks, and I think even Taika himself has said, like, yeah. Well, she's got to get those powers somehow. It can't be entirely happy-go-lucky. Oh, I'm mm. Thor now. No, there's got to yeah. be some tinge of, like... Well, the cancer didn't give her the powers. Yeah, but that's not the... I didn't mean for it to come off like that. <laughs> I'm saying, like, she just can't all have powers, and, like, oh, we're doing this now. There always yeah. had to be, like, a, a tr- you know, a trade-off to that of some sort. Um, anyway, uh, Daredevil. So, Variety reported last week that, uh, Daredevil, a new Daredevil show, uh, featuring, uh, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock is in production for Disney Plus. To the surprise of nobody. Cause, like, we've been talking about this Daredevil show for years, it seems like now. Like, oh yeah, it's happening. Oh yeah, they're gonna do it. Yeah, we, we've known for a long ass while. Um, now, where do we even begin with this, man? Uh, this fucking Daredevil shit. So, (sighs) oh, man, um, listen, I don't know, uh, what people are expecting, but I, for one, I'm expecting nothing close to greatness. No, I'm not either. And I don't even know, honestly, why anybody should. Like, it's really... It's really interesting to see that Jeremy Johns, who is an individual who I've long since dismissed, and honestly just, for I I would say rightful reasons, as some kind of a credible voice in, like, the blogosphere YouTube space of movies, um... For him to be the only one that I would say has the single most accurate take or reading uh, on this Daredevil stuff is is really interesting because in, from my point of view, um, there's really the Jedi. Yeah, there's nothing here to be excited about. Okay, let me read this. Okay, okay. So, um, the Hollywood Reporter notes. That Marvel Studios' Daredevil project will be the first Marvel Netflix series to get a quote-unquote new, yet continued, whatever the fuck that means, show, making it unclear whether this is a full-on reboot, a direct continuation of the previous show's events, or a combination of the two. The big question moving forward is whether... Daredevil will start off with season four. There's no question. That, f- well, you know, wait. Well, first of all, that fourth season that was all written for Netflix, you will never Not see happening. that. That was never on the yeah. table. You'll never see that. But I guess what the quote was going to go into is it's not clear whether this new series will start off with a new season four of the Netflix show or if it will be a soft or full reboot of the character entirely. There are no signs pointing to whether Cox's Daredevil and No Way Home is officially canon with the Netflix series. Now that I don't, oh my god, is half the article them just like, is it canon? You know how these people are. Oh my god! But that's one side of it, right? The more important aspect, right, as to the quality of the show, which is what matters the most. Well, we've got some news on that front as well. And let me be honest with you. It is not um, promising. Um, Matt 
Kornman and Chris Ord have been um, hired as the official writers for this new Daredevil series. Neither of these people were involved with any of the previous three seasons of the Netflix iteration of this show. And they're most known for a show that aired a decade ago called Covert Affairs that was on the USA Mm. Cable Network. They also were responsible for... um, By the way, that show aired for four seasons from 2010 to 2014. That was the most recent work, by the way. Um, And then also a film with Danny DeVito called Deck the Halls. You've never seen Deck the Halls? I think I have heard of it. I just haven't seen it. Maybe I did catch it. I I honestly don't remember if I have. You wouldn't even if you did. (laughs) Even with Danny DeVito involved? Mm -hmm. Okay. So... It's Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, This is far worse than what I even I had expected. I feel like this just is dead on arrival to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier for Marvel to get away with subparness because most of the time they are tackling characters that have never been tackled before, right? Like 99% of the time, that is what they're doing. So because of that, you know, people got nothing to compare it to. They say this is the greatest thing ever. La 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 la. Okay, fine. Um, not so with Daredevil. Oh no! Right, Daredevil had a stellar. Well, first they had a movie, didn't they? It was a run. movie that wasn't at all. We don't got to talk about. No, that. we we do we do because they had a movie okay, okay. and they had a yeah. movie Ben Affleck. Um, but anyway, the show stellar three season run with apparently the third season being a masterpiece yeah. i've seen 10 minutes of the first episode of the third season several of the episodes from season three mind you were rated in the top 10 uh of all time episodes of any marvel tv show mm-hmm. in the top 10 so from, yeah you know imdb user ratings um this marvel I, I'm sorry. From what I've seen, Marvel can't can't compete. The MCU can't compete. There's no apology with that needed, level Peter. of quality. Uh, like Moon Knight, I still haven't finished Moon Knight. Mm. I love Moon Knight as a character, mm. and it's not that Moon Knight as a show was bad, but it's just like it's the umpteenth time where it's just like if this wasn't in the mcu i could see them taking these concepts further and in the and the action further and the violence further and just the character stuff further See the stuff that you're and, feeling about moon knight and the struggle you're feeling about finishing it and is is overall yeah. like the frustration with this cinematic universe with the approach of these creators and that's kind of the hurdle I had with Multiverse of Madness because I get like it. all of the yeah. stuff that was there was just emblematic of all of the continuous issues I've had with them with so many stories at this point. You become fed up. Mm-hmm. What you're saying there is why 
in my initial viewing of that film, it just made me like, you know what? Why do I even come to see these anymore if this mm. is all they're going to give me? I get it. I do. I, I guess for me, Multiverse of Madness, at the very least, had teeth. And for me, I loved Moon Knight because of Oscar Isaac's mm-hmm. performance. And there was some other it's stuff. It's good. There too. It's very good. Um, I don't hate Moon no, Knight. No, no, yeah, you just yeah. But it is that it, it's just that thing of it's like. Also, you know how it ends because you know every be single Disney Plus show finale, show. it's the exact same episode. It's just all That's it's all thing. action that isn't great. First of all, it's it's mostly passable. Some fun gags here. But it really amounts to a big waste of time, a lot of really wonderful, like, emotional, you know, uh, resolutions that could have been had were, like, thrown by the wayside for more action. I love you know Moon Knight, but that finale, like, they really just, like, threw so many pieces away that I wanted to see from a finale. It's, they're six-hour movies. Yeah. But they don't take the six hours to delve further into, like, character stuff Mm -mm. and interesting stuff like that it's literally just whatever the mcu movie version would have been and then just stretch it yeah right so so there's nothing new or interesting or deep to it again the only one who i think got around this was wandavision Mm -hmm. why because 90 well let's say 70 70 to 80 percent of the show was just these this weird off the wall exploration of Wanda, mm. right? Because it's these full even the first two episodes are literally just television shows, yeah. right? That's so mm-hmm. cool. Um, and and, and then ev- everything else is just sort of exploring her. Um, so it's the only one that I feel attempted to do something very different mm-hmm. whereas everything else just feels like six hour movies just it's just and we've seen and enough of these we've seen with falcon yeah. hawkeye loki and Moon. we've seen enough where it feels like wash rinse repeat and the thing is a pretty good two hour movie two and a half stretched out to six hours it may still be passable but it's just uh, it it's just doing fuck all for my patience. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and then, okay, getting back to Daredevil. Yeah, I mean, the talent that they got to work on this. Why? Why? And I mean, I know why, because they can control them. And and honestly, at this point, I think, like, they know they can't compete. So what is Marvel going to do? They're going to do what they do best. They're going to throw in cameos. They're going to throw in... Maybe characters you know or or want to, to know compensate or, or distract seen. you from the lack of quality. Mm-hmm. Compensation and distraction. It's That's like that specialty. whole s- <laughs> second to last episode of uh, Boba Fett. Uh, oh, that the one with Luke and <laughs> oh that yeah. thing. Oh shit! Yeah. I, I I try to forget it. <laughs> yeah, me too. But that's what they're going to do, right? And and there's a lot of talk about them using, like, the yellow costume for Daredevil. And I think they will, mm-hmm. because that sends a clear message. Bright, right? It's not this, like, dark... To me, it sends a clear message. It's not the same show. Don't think of it as the same show. I mean, they're never going to... Say one way or the other. And clearly this... Was, like, yeah. that's why it's so annoying mm-hmm. when people are like, is it? Is it? Is it? They're never going to no. say. 
because they rather have it they rather have it up in yeah, the air. They right? they would love in, for it to be vague in to. case they need to, in mm-hmm. case not. But I feel like if you feel like you want to connect the dots, you're more than welcome to. I'm more than welcome to say, well, different costume. There's no real good reason. I mean, obviously they want to make it brighter or lighter or whatever. There was some. It's a tone. I think it's em- It's going to be em- What's emblematic. Emblematic emblematic of a tone change. Yeah. And there was some uh some person I saw on the John Campia show say that, you know, trying to justify this is like, well, you know, a lot of TV shows do change their tone over time. It doesn't mean a degradation, you know, a de- degradation in quality. Excuses, man. I mean, that's just a fucking excuse. Like you look at what look at the quality of what the Disney Plus shows have produced. You can't touch Daredevil. And a new version of Daredevil with the same actor, you're only inviting the comparisons. Like, it's just going to be nothing but an exercise in inferiority. That's how I feel about the Spider-Man movies in the MCU. It's like, and that's one of the characters where they had to follow up a pretty amazing iteration of it before Marvel Studios Mm. even existed. I just, by the way, over the weekend saw Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. Those are some Incredible. of the best movies ever made. Fight yes. me. Some of the best movies ever made. And honestly, this should be at the beginning of anyone's discussion about best superhero films ever made. Uh, my brother in Christ. I could not agree more. And I cannot like believe uh, that they're so... They're, oh, they're, but what? they're outdated. <sighs> Fuck off. They're old. Like... It's insane the way that people today talk about films with, like, character and a sense of personality. They talk about the same... They talk about films that used to be like that compared to today. The way that people used to talk about, like, black and white movies or movies, the the silent films, (laughs) right? Like, like, oh, get with the times. Those are old. It really pissed me off. There was this Twitter thing, Twitter post that was being spread around. Again, the maybe the best thing about Multiverse of Madness was the visual flair. And I love yeah. me some transitions. And then I go on Twitter and they're being like laughed at. That amazing transition of like Wong's head coming out of like, you know, walking, you know. The Scarlet yes. Witch. Yeah. And people were like, this ain't the 2000s anymore. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Fuck you. Fuck you. I saw some people go after probably the coolest scene. Well, second coolest in the movie is when they're describing uh, the dream walking and it's like transitioning in and out of her, like doing the spell. And it's like the the guitar music. It was one of the highlights of the whole film. One of the highlights. And they go after that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, that's so much because but then they, they they defend the crappy CGI on No Way Home. Yeah, and then people are like, I don't know what's wrong with that. It looks fine to me. Like, why do you care about <laughs> cinematography? But then here they are, seemingly caring about other aspects, and they have mm-hmm. no like issue with going after that. Ridiculousness. Thousands and thousands of films are made every year. Try to make yours unique. <laughs> and it's like going back to the whole Spider-Man issue. What we saw there is. Marvel, when you look back in retrospect, it almost feels as if, like, Kevin Feige knew, I can't make, like, versions of this new Spider-Man that are, are, like, half as good as those, so I'm not even going to bother doing that. 
But in like, you know, and like, there are ways where you can like do another iteration, go in a different direction, and it mm-hmm. be, and the quality can be, you know, as good if not better. But that's not what happens when it comes to Marvel Studios doing so. It's like the Spider-Man movies. Like it almost hurts to talk about it because like I I do think like two out of the three are are good films as a whole, all three put together, I don't care. No. It I mean it doesn't help that every film is about the same thing. Yeah. Every film is like now he's Spider Man. Nope. That's how the first one ended, Homecoming. This and the second one. Now he's Spider Man. And then the last one. Now he's Spider Man. And look at that great ending for <laughs> for uh, No Way Home. Yeah. And then I think it was just being reported today. You know, the whole cast is now like in talks to come back, which would include MJ and Ned. And again, there's all the evidence you need to show you the fuck all with that ending. That didn't mean anything. We're gonna go yeah. back immediately after to them, like remembering who Peter was. To be fair. Well, I know you don't care. It, it's it's one hundred percent. I think it's Sony. Like they're clinging on to dear life for anything after the greatest movie of all time, Morbius. Morbius, yeah, didn't overperform like they wanted to. I think they're just like we cannot leave our cash cap, Mister Mister Tom Holland. Um, yeah, and, and to be fair to No Way Home. It was the first time since those Raimi films where I was like, oh my god, like this kind of feels like a Spider-Man film. But if you're going to directly compare, right, mm-hmm. it, it's like, it's not it's not the same. It, it, it's not remotely to me. No. And I think that with this Daredevil, it's like, I don't know, I, I, um, I have a sneaking suspicion. Um, it's not going to go over well. And I don't think they at, no. at Marvel Studios are going to see it coming. And you don't. I don't think they are either. No, no. I think it's going to be their first genuine, like, not bomb, but just failure. Failure in the eyes of like fans, where they're genuinely angry. Where it's like, this is this is bad. It'll be seen as like, wow, you really ruined this character. Like, look yeah. at how great this was over here. Why can't you be as great, if not better, than that? I thought you, Marvel Studios, were supposed to be the best when it comes to telling the, superhero the golden stories. Child. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's not true. No, it never was really. Because like the fans believe I, it's true. Yeah, they're they're lucky they never got like a really good Fantastic Four movie <laughs> before they got the rights back. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with X Men, there were genuinely great X Men films before. And again, I have a feeling it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be pretty good. It's going to be cool to see them in their classic costumes doing classic X-Men things. But it'll just be like, man, the teeth are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what that, no and bite. that's exactly what the new Daredevil show will feel is the teeth yeah. are gone. And look, I, I'm never one that says that you have to have like, you know, violence or gore or blood for something to be better. Those does not those aspects or qualities in your storytelling does not inherently make you better. 
But that very clearly elevated the material. Their presence elevated the material in that Netflix show. And when you see this new show and those things are gone, you remove the teeth. You take the claws out of the cat. Like, what's left? When the fight scenes aren't as good. The fight scenes! Because I have not seen any fight scene in any of these Marvel Plus shows that compare to um, the Daredevil show just nothing i just like that's the thing i i i can't believe not a single one of these people who have like shows with so many viewers don't touch on the i on just the reality that they're like no one not one person that worked on those daredevil seasons on netflix including the choreography team are coming back for this why would you expect this new iteration to be anything like it was before? Which is crazy. And for me, it doesn't... And I know you agree with this, too. It doesn't have to be... Um, the same team, yeah. It could, the same... Yeah. It does, well, it doesn't even have to be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can take Daredevil in a lighter tone. Daredevil has had lighter comic runs, mm-hmm. right? More fun, more more fluff. Um. But and I'm sorry to say it to the people who are hired, what what doesn't make me feel confident that they'll take it in, in a new fun direction, have it be just as great, is the people they hired. It feels like they hired yes men yet again. Um, I mean, the, the this 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 hiring decision may be the single most confounding choice at least Kevin yeah. Feige has made in his entirety at Marvel because. You could say with most of his hires, they had one good project, one good story. Mm-hmm. Here, it feels like they like got some like dirt poor writing team off the street. Like they were like, you know, they were homeless and they just picked somebody up that needed a job. I can get that for Echo. Because who the <laughs> fuck is Echo? I know. Right? <laughs> Echo actually has like some writers, but they actually have good, good, some good creatives behind Echo. Echo. I saw that. Echo has has like a Daredevil Netflix alum on their writing yeah. team. Echo, what the fuck? <laughs> but you know why Daredevil is also good too? They got really talented people to begin with. Netflix, they got talented people to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know why the the Netflix shows started to crumble. Because they no longer started getting talented people to work on. Yeah. Uh, Scott Buck, I think, was the beginning Scott of the Buck, end. Yeah. With Iron Fist, which was immediately followed up with Inhumans. Yeah. The whole thing imploded. I'm just so tired of like, oh, this director made this one indie short. Let's funnel them directly into... The machine. Um, the machine. And I and I I don't know fuck where did I hear this or read this that like one of the biggest losses of the mid budget film is that previously you'd have directors you know they'd sort of sharpen their teeth their and hone their skills on these mid budget films mm-hmm. right and then once they once they made their their way up to the big leagues in these blockbusters. They were really able to create something big and great. Someone like um, uh, Sam Raimi, you know, 
But because the the mid-budget film has disappeared, you have these directors, they make a small indie film that gets some good buzz, Feige picks them up, and they're immediately thrown into big-budget filmmaking, which they have no experience with at all. That that it's just it's too it's too much, right? Um, and and they don't have that experience to just really hone their 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 filmmaking skills with a bigger budget in a mid budget film, and then carry that over. So it kind of it fucks with them, right? And and it's not it doesn't work as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I think you can see that. I, I not to I think Tom, what's his name? Tom Watt. <laughs> Uh, John Watts. John Watts. I think that's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Where I don't think he's a bad director, but it's just there's no no yeah, personality. No, no disrespect to Mr. Watts, but I feel like, and not that this would ever be feasible because mm-hmm. Sony wouldn't agree to this, stupidly enough, but uh, I would feel like John Watts, for his sensibilities, mm-hmm. he'd be great for a Spider-Man Disney Plus series. Yeah, for sure. For the movies. I mean, that's not... kind of what Homecoming was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't until Homecoming that he started. I started to see some interesting filmmaking, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the 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 fight between him and Goblin, pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, that whole thing where he has like the. It's in the same scene, uh, the 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 Spidey sense, mm-hmm. and it's like visually pretty cool when he's in the rain, and looking at um, J. Jonah Jameson just being like, "This little bitch killed his aunt," uh, and he's like fucking crying with it. It's like okay, there's some visual flair to some of this, um, yeah, and I I think that has hindered him as a filmmaker. So I don't know. Um, real quick before we move off the choreography or the action, David and I have been bitching about this on the show for weeks. We did the, the Moon Knight recaps. Both he and I very much like the series overall, but we have been very critical of this, like of their action only, well, really because for weeks upon weeks, it was a, a key factor of the marketing that they were hyping up that this was like the most, um, violent series that the MCU had done. And then you see the show and you're like, what? I uh, I know. And, and here, look, let me, let me pull up a quote from Kevin Feige about this, about Moon Knight and the violence, apparently. There are moments in the series when Moon Knight is wailing on another character and it is loud and brutal. Oh, no, loud. <laughs> and brutal. The knee-jerk reaction is, we're going to pull back on this, right? No, we're not pulling back. There's a tonal shift. That, to me, you look at Moon Knight, and that's what Kevin Feige considers to be not pulling back. Daredevil is fucked in every way imaginable. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, I think maybe that's why I was also a little impressed with Multiverse of Madness, because I had been watching um, Moon Knight, mm-hmm. 
And I remembered his comments and being like, this, this, this does not have the teeth. No. That he claimed it did. And then seeing uh, Black Bolt's brains get, you know, pop. I was like, oh, there okay. it is. That's what I was looking for. There it is. <laughs> like, that, I needed some of this. Yeah. In um, Moon Knight. In Moon Knight. And I don't, and I don't see why they, they literally had that, um, that mummy demon thing. Mm-hmm. That, like. Let me see some kills. Yeah. Let's get scary. Let's get a little more violent with it. Uh, There's no good reason not to. Let's break some noses. Let's see blood. Like, let's see something. I mean, keep this in mind. And and David and I were fully on board with this. There are many moments in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that were more violent than Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. What was that that behind you? Oh. It's my cat. Okay. She's um she's <laughs> okay. It's that time. Okay. Um, uh, she's losing her mind. Uh, but no, but again, because they weren't under the MCU, mm-hmm. they could do some things. Mm-hmm. There, there just seems to be this. It's almost like a a child lock or like a child filter. Yeah. On the on the whole, um, Disney the Plus whole series. Oh, yeah. No, like. All of MCU, uh-huh. where it's like it automatically filters like specific violent acts to never show. With madness never... being the only one to squeak through that, with the only one who was able to like get past security somehow. Um, but I, I also like speaking of Black Panther, I, I brought up and you saw the scene. I was right mm-hmm. where they like slit the throat, and it's just like, uh. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> They just follow. I know, over. it was hilarious. Whereas you see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's a lot of characters that get their throats cut. And you see it. And you, you see s- blood, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of bullets in the head. I and, and it's like, there should be blood. Yeah. Because in the original Star Wars, when they cut off a hand, there was blood. Why? Because blood comes out when hands get cut mm-hmm. off. Uh, in the final fight, in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. It's fucking gnarly. Oh my god, I saw it the other day. They're wailing. That's the definition of wailing. That's wailing. And and slow motion, just blood just being thrown out out of the corner as they're just having the living shit beat out of each other. That's what I expect, Mm -hmm. right? And of course, Daredevil. Obviously, there's like R-rated violent stuff, but there's very much PG-13 stuff too, where it's like, he that's wailing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with Moon Knight. It's get violent. You can push PG thirteen. You can because guess what? In America, we don't care about violence. You can push that shit. Um, we care about gay people. We care about any kind of sexuality at all. Um. So, you know, and to be I, I to be clear, them. to be clear for those that are listening. That is a commentary on how Americans' attitudes are. That's not yes. like Peter saying that that's the way. That oh that's no, that's right, not ours, or that's what no, it should no, no. be. And it's not right. No, of I'm just not. talking from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're not going to be able to push the PG-13 rating for like. Why do you think Lizzie McGuire got canceled the, the reboot because uh, Hillary yeah. Duff wanted sex and Disney was like, "What sex? What sex? Literally, that's what happened. Look it up. Superheroes don't don't have sex. Look at what happened to Batman." <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, there's, there's, which is so weird because comic books, this is how you know no one reads comic books. Comic books are full of sex. Um, What's wrong with it's sex? It's not gratuitous, but it's, no, it's, it's a human thing. Mm-hmm. It's an experience. Like, it, it should be full. If you're telling stories about humans, obviously that's going to be a part of Most it. Most right? people like, do it. Uh, yeah. I, think. I don't know. So stupid. Stupid. Um, but yeah, you can't push that, but you can push the violence. But yeah, there's like this filter. It's so ridiculous. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Blade. Honest <laughs> to God. That's right. <laughs> that's another one where it's that's another one, though, where it's like it's not necessarily that the original Blade films are considered masterpieces, but they have kick ass violent Blade 2 action. is fucking great. Yeah. I'm sorry, and, Blade and, 2. <laughs> you 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 stack Blade 2 compared to like any comic book movie today? Pff, please. But that's the thing, right? Like what 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 are you going to do? If you can't even push PG-13, if you're not even there, mm-hmm. if you're not even willing to push that, fuck, like what do you have with Blade the movie? Why do it? It's going to be embarrassing. Um and honest to God, I really think Kevin Feige only greenlit Blade because Mahershala Ali came up to him and was like, I want to be Blade. <laughs> I think it's the only reason he greenlit that movie. I think if that didn't happen, you would not be having a, anything Blade. Maybe he would have came out at like the end of um, Moon Knight as like an end credits thing. Like, we're putting together a team <laughs> of supernatural heroes. But yeah. So um the the moral of all of this is if you're listening, I do apologize to inf- to let you know to bring this to your attention. I love the Daredevil show, but there's no reason to be excited about any of this. There really isn't. So no. moving off from one uh property that uh garners no excitement to the other, also uh on Disney Plus, Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, we had an interesting discussion, Yumi and Kyle, before um, we watched Men, about, like, where we stood with Kenobi and, you know, what are the pros and cons about all of this. Let's just get the obvious out of the way with. The fact that, well, as far as the credits are concerned, and from all appearances, now, we, we don't know if there was some outside influence on the part of Mr. Favreau, but... From all appearances, it would seem his fingers came nowhere near this property. And can we just say um, Mm -hmm. that already off the bat starts from a really good place? The fact that he's nowhere near the creative process or the writing process. The further removed he is from this, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So that's number one. Um. Now, number two, I still don't care. And to be honest with you, there, there could, there's, look, yes, I will watch it. It's Star Wars. Duh, I'm going to watch it. And yes, I love Ewan McGregor. And I'm happy for him personally that he has Ewan. this. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been taking with the trailers. If I'm being honest with you, I think some of the aliens look like trash. Like, 
I'm sorry, but I, I expect something, you know, better for a live action Star Wars. And I think a lot of the adaptations with the Inquisitors just look bad. Um, I'm tired of looking at Tatooine, which is basically all of this is. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, Kathleen Kennedy, and I would say maybe now in an infamous moment, at least for us, branded this show the rematch of the century. Which... That definitely didn't help me. And remember how it felt like to hear that? We were dead. Like, that, that, I feel like they almost kind of killed Star Wars, like, pretty much indefinitely. Um, so, yeah, there's just, like, no excitement. I haven't liked the live-action Star Wars shows. I haven't liked the, the Star Wars spinoffs. I mean, if we're being honest with you, if I'm being honest with you, maybe it's just The Force Awakens and it's just The Last Jedi that I've really liked. To love, as far as like new Disney. Oh, as far as live action, new yeah, Disney, new Disney, yeah, live, live action. action realm. Yeah, that's about it. Um, as far as I can, there's, I'm such a bitch for Star Wars. Even though the amount of Star Wars that I actually love is like so beyond tiny. Yeah. But I'm such a bitch for Star Wars. Star Wars, the amount that I'll like. I can just put on and enjoy is like everything, right? Like I can throw on solo and it's like, I don't think solo is a good movie, but like they're doing stuff and they're in a game. <laughs> like it is so much of yeah. that is that the only one that really fucked it for me really was um, the shows. Like with the first well, episode, season, nine. I was like, Oh yeah. Episode nine. <laughs> yeah. Episode 9 came out. I hated it. Yeah. Like, I can't even watch that for fun. No. It's just everything about it is just annoying and shitty and just uncreative, just devoid of soul. There's no soul to that film. Go check out our audio commentary on it. That's fun. That was a fun listen. <laughs> I bet it was. I would watch it just to have that playing over it. <laughs> um. I, I was kind of there with the first season of Mandalorian. It's like, I can watch them do stuff. But by the second season, I was just like, there's just, there's nothing. Again, devoid of soul. And then once we got to Boba Fett, Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, it's just. Hitting new lows, huh? Yeah. Um, it gave me new appreciations for a solo, <laughs> the Star Wars story. Um, I think that this Obi-Wan show will bring me back into the territory of like solo mm. where maybe higher because that, yeah, I, I do think the creative people behind it are, are good. Yeah. Deborah Chow. She's a great director. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe higher than solo. Maybe maybe we'll we'll reach third act of Rogue One levels. Maybe. I mean, we have to just uh, start off in a place that it, it has to be better than Mando and Boba because you know who's I've, not. I've already, I've already. Um, that's already a given in my mind. And looking at the trailers, it feels that way too. Because when the characters interact, it feels like they're not just um 
uh what do you call it like action figures by that yeah like a video game yeah they like just showed up and are just there's they just have like uh character lines mm-hmm. that they repeat over and over like it's not just ahsoka that shows up like i'm ahsoka be one with the force you know you know bye <laughs> <laughs> you know like woody you pull the string and he has lines yeah. that's how so many of the characters that come out in mandalorian feel like and you could tell there's like all the character interaction is like I'm Mando. I need to find this thing. Well, I can help you find that thing if you kill the creature in the river. And like, <laughs> that's it. That there's just nothing. That's all John Favreau, by the way. Yeah, that's John Favreau. He can't write for shit. Um, here, when there's interactions, it's like okay. It seems like they're trying to tell a story. And I know that's like the most basic anything, but it's more than those last two. Uh, it, it feels like the things that come out of their mouth aren't just trailer lines. Mm-hmm. Like there's a good line um, between Obi-Wan and uh, Baru, not Baru. Owen, Owen Uncle, Uncle Owen. Owen. Yes, Joe Edgerton. Yeah, Joe Edgerton, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, cause of course, and and you could tell that Ewan's really pushing the um, uh, Alec Guinness um, like voice. Is he? He's like, when he comes of age, she will be trained. Huh? And and um, Owen's like, why? So he can t- uh turn out like you, or he says something like, oh, like you trained his father. Like basically, tell Owen telling Obi Wan like back the fuck up, like you're not getting near. Um. You're not getting near uh, Luke. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a good character interaction. Mm-hmm. And they're actually talking about something, right? And, and, it, and it's it's good. Um, so there's little moments like that. Where I'm like, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, the idea, I mean, there's just fundamental things, though. Similar to the Clone Wars, where it's like, no matter how good you do it, I, I just, it just doesn't. I don't like it, and I'm just not going to like mm-hmm. it. Like, the idea of Obi-Wan and Vader. Darth Vader m- meeting, let alone seeing each other, let alone interacting, let alone fighting um, any at any at in any way between episode three and episode four. I just hate it. I, I don't think it works. I don't care what explanation you have for it, where it's like, well, technically, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. I just no. the best version of that. I'm just not gonna like, and that's just the way it mm-hmm. is. So I, we'll see. I'm not excited for it, but I'm. I'm. It's not just like. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm like. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. It's not a I'm, Boba gonna, Fett where it's it like. Out. I don't care at all. But then you did see yeah. it, and then it was much worse than you, you you even expected it would be. Yeah. No, this is where it's like we'll see. We'll um, I don't think it'll be high. I don't think it'll be low. But we're I'll I'll see. So we talked a lot about John Favreau. Uh, we mentioned his name. So uh, last week you had mentioned to me to check out YMS Your Movie Sucks, the YouTuber that does a whole bunch of this stuff. Which is breakdown movies, has reviews, has a lot of channels. And he had a nearly three hour video essay 
Uh, part one. The, part one, by the way, there's still more to come. Maybe we'll get it in 10 years. But part one of a, of a video essay really breaking down uh, um, Lion King 2019. I'm not going to call it live action anymore. Live act, um, Lion <laughs> King 2019 um, and how uniquely terrible it is in every way imaginable and every way unimaginable. And I I loved uh, the breakdown. Uh, I, I loved his uh, – the way that he explained everything, all the different little things. And we'll, we'll get into all the little aspects, right, and a lot of the details. Um, but it really – to me, my initial impression watching that was like – it made me feel like I gave the film too much credit. When we initially reviewed it in 2019, which is hilarious because I gave the film no credit. If you go back and look at our review for that movie, I think it may be the single worst review we've ever had. As far as like this, this is like one of the worst movies we've ever reviewed on our show. And I think for you and me, because we, we discussed this to me, it is the worst movie I've ever seen in a movie theater. Where I don't think it, we, I was even halfway through, where I just like stopped looking at the screen. I was just looking down at the floor, and I was just like thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. It actually hurts to sit here. God, oh God, please let this be over. And I can recall so many groans, so many eye rolls. So much just lifelessness surrounding me. Um, truly, what an awful ordeal. What a terrible movie. And what a travesty it is because it is a remake of one of the best movies ever made. One of the most successful films ever made. The Lion King. And I don't think we fully appreciated how bad it was. Um, at that point, but now we do. Um, yes and no. I I think I argued very similarly at the time of why this was the worst because I I think I, I even said something along like every decision was mm-hmm. the wrong one. Like it's just taking a, a fantastic movie and then changing everything to make it worse. I mm-hmm. said something like that, but the surgical precision with which he. <laughs> dissects this film it's an autopsy so much stuff (laughs) where there's so much stuff where i think maybe you and me felt it on a subconscious level but no way would we like be able to point out a lot of these things without without this video and the way he really gets into like yeah this 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 um, I mean, there's very basic things that we can point to, like the the canyon scene where they falls and mm-hmm. dies, and how ridiculous and terrible and devoid of any. I laugh every time. Ah! <laughs> He's falling, and it just it looks funny because it's like a cat. I think like, you ah. even said uh, years ago when we first saw it uh, that you were. When we do it, when we did the after dark, we did after after dark at that point. But you said that you tried your best to contain your laughter when you saw that. Yeah, it's so funny. 
so terrible, right? And there's a lot of filmmaking decisions within that where I can easily point out like, yeah, this is better. Like he talks about like the shadow that creeps over him and like the way like the camera when um the young cub sees them coming down. It's just, just like a lot of visual stuff. But he but he gets into like the tiniest little things like the music changes, right? Where it's like maybe subconsciously we felt it and I we heard, heard that it. and mm-hmm. felt it and affected it. But I could have never no. pointed it out. But when he points it out, yeah, it, it's so true. The way that music was made specifically for the scenes, the way they were drawn in that original film. Like he says, like the I don't know if it's like the triangle or something mm-hmm. like or for when um, Zazu is like flying over, like very specific moments and points. The music is intertwining with it and here it's the same music but it's 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 not it's doing slightly it's off right it's just slightly off always it is always just slightly off in a variety of different ways like what's amazing Mm -hmm. to me is he points out that a lot of the microphones for the audio recording for you know the songs or dialogue were just not tuned correctly The, the the it's just constantly peaking um, that's just a technical thing that should have been caught and it seemingly wasn't. On top of that, um, the mixing of the songs, uh, let alone forget when, when you're, you know, you're hearing them on the screen, but when the mixing of the songs and you're hearing it is overbearing and too much. And you see in certain segments, you know, Hans Zimmer made a point to bring in twice as many people into the room to uh, mix the score as he did with the Lion King. And I think it's a great example of like, he thought that making it bigger would make it better. And it made it worse. It was just too much. It was too loud. And then when you see it in the movie, not only is it placed in the wrong moments, which were important for character and narrative purposes, but it's also overbearing where it drowns out a lot of the um audio from the characters and it's not just one moment that was a great moment that you know uh the canyon and everything but it that's a problem that persists from beginning to end Mm -hmm. yeah no and that's just like the tiniest thing right Mm -hmm. well it's not tiny it's a big thing but but it's this movie is just, it feels like it's filled with uh, every every frame of the film is filled with a bad decision <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. All of which were, uh, you know, came from John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, 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 it's insane. Like some of the things... I think he does such a great job of pointing out is the way that the character arcs are hindered. Yeah. Cause they make tiny, tiny changes to the dialogue and the scene. Mm-hmm. They're just tiny changes to the dialogue. And the, and he says like, yeah, they probably figured it's basically the same thing. You know, changing this line here, just changing that line there. That doesn't do anything, but then he'll go in and be like, well, no, this is how the arc of the character and what it means for what happens later on gets completely fucked up (laughs) um and and yeah it's it works it's it's a really good um 
review. No, it is. I mean, very, very good. Um, you even he even gets into how across the board, and it's incredible because they have a lot of like really talented people as the voice cast, but across the board, this voice cast sucks hard. Yeah. Like, and you get to a point where it's like, well, you know why they sound like lifeless and bored and like dead? Because that's how they were directed to sound like. Mm-hmm. Because Favreau was so like obsessed with the idea of making a realistic looking animated film that it forgets that it's an animated film. And so he thinks he's making a live action movie when he's not. And so he's directing all of his actors to give um, a very um, toned down, lifeless performance, which only confounds the issue of the characters having no facial expressions whatsoever. And I mean, and it, that's something everyone pointed out at the time. But it's it's what's great is that he goes through interviews, like, and he went through it, like hundreds of hours of it yeah um just just pulling out some great nuggets about like the reason for these decisions or or the reasoning for why no one has facial expressions um and and it's funny he um he recently he has a another podcast that he's on that he reviews films sometimes and they were talking about avatar the original avatar blue people film (laughs) And he's like, this is the film that John Favreau wishes uh, Lion King 2019. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because they were all like uh, treating it as like a this technological achievement. Yeah. And it's it's actually, it's, it's very, uh, oh, and I, speaking of ugly, I love how he goes into this thing of like, well, you know, beautiful skies aren't really realistic. Wow. So I told them not to have beautiful skies. That's Favreau from Favreau. He told yeah, his that's, crew that's what not said. to do uh, beautiful skies in the movie because he thought that was not real. Which, of course, that it's ends like, up being wrong. But, and, and just the arbitrary places you'll draw the yeah. line for quote unquote realism, right? Um, so The part that hilarious. got me, so though, terrible. was Rafiki's stick. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my shit. Because, not that I give a fuck that Rafiki has a stick or not, but they made a choice from his rationale to not have him have one from a realistic quote-unquote standpoint. But then, there was a fight, and evidently that rationale went out the window because it would look really cool if Rafiki had a yeah. stick. And there was even a quote, and then like, Favreau was giggling. It's like he has a lightsaber. It's like it's lightsaber, and it's like, oh my god, this makes so much. And sense. And it kind of like that when when that when when uh, I heard that like like something clicked because then I can mm-hmm. piece back all of the decisions that were made on Mandalorian and Boba Fett, and I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, you just don't get it. I could see him giggling as he suggests Boba Fett rides a Rancor, like. That'll be really cool, but 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 it. I love that moment because it's the it's the two broken parts of his brain fighting against each other, 
the one broken side is like we're making a documentary which you're not it's a musical <laughs> with emotion and it's character a, that's right what are you doing like like this like, you're not making uh a, a documentary like you you require facial expression um but you have that side where it's like it needs to be 100% realistic so he takes away you know his his stick but then the other like baby brained part where it's like everything is cameos in cool stand up and cheer moments cuz i remember in the movie i remember the first time we saw it it did play like this big momentous thing like he goes to the tree and he takes it out and it's like it's his stick was anyone waiting around the entire movie though <laughs> waiting for Rafiki to pull out his stick? I actually think I forgot that he didn't have it for most of the film. It's a fucking stick. It's just a fucking stick and I think that See, that goes back to the idea of like he's just made, he just made a Marvel movie. Yeah. Cuz like the the one that really gets me is the well, we see him in the opening of the film, but the first like scene with Mufasa and Scar, and he gets this like grand entrance where the music just builds up, and it's like, I think he compares it to like Captain America coming back um, in Infinity War. It's the same thing, right? Because it's like ba ba ba, like like this big momentous music as um, Mufasa, right? Yeah, uh, steps in steps into the screen. And out of the sunlight, you see him, and it's like... <sighs> but it's like, that moment only means something to you if you've seen the original. Because because it's like, why, why is it such a big deal? We just saw him two seconds earlier in the opening of the film. We saw Mufasa, right? And he goes into that, how it's like, moments that are crafted for audience, not for the character's in the film mm-hmm. which make it which it make it weird and it fuck I, to me it fucks with the film obviously yeah also the, the the arrangement of the songs themselves are also crappy like there's like this I don't know strange choices where certain notes are not in key there's obvious auto tune um even um good god uh this yeah it's just the whole thing is just like it's an interesting like case study right because like literally nothing in this movie went well it's a brilliant autopsy yeah it's like what what killed this man and then you find out it was everything he simultaneously got every disease and stabbed and shot and ran over. <laughs> That's what this film is. Yeah. It's like what killed this film. And it's everything. incredible how like um because it was a, a a remake of a beloved film, this movie got such a pass. And then we yeah. all just moved on. That's what happens. I noticed that with with uh Disney. They get a pass. And then everyone just collectively just, okay, ignores it. <laughs> There's no, like, retrospective on, like, hey, 
You know those like past five live action Disney remakes you all went to go see and were screaming your head over? You all maybe want to take a second and think like, man, they all kind of suck. Like, should there some be some sort of reckoning here? Like, what they? No, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> no one wants to talk about it. All right. Because you look at the Star Wars, you get a bad film. Oh my God, they won't. They won't stop talking about no. it. No. And then, but Lion King is like again uniquely bad. No, yeah, worst film I've ever seen in a theater, easily. Okay, um, so speaking of Disney, um, there was a really um strange moment that happened on Disney Plus over the week. Um, <laughs> evidently there was a Chip and Dale movie that came out, and I was really confused because I thought this was a series, not a movie. Then again, I didn't see Damn, the trailer. You didn't know anything. I didn't know nothing because, like, I, I don't know. This that must have been a shock going in. Well, yeah, because like Disney Plus has such a horrible track record of like anything and everything. I don't ever see a reason to be like interested in what they have to offer. That's not like with the Marvel stuff. And even that, well, you know how I feel overall with that. But um, I didn't know um, what this ended up being was something, honestly, that um, could exist in 2022. I would say a lot of this movie is just genuine shock that this actually um, was allowed to be, to be into existence. And I feel like that in and of itself is a good thing. Um, so there's a question in that statement. <laughs> no, I, it's, no, I think I think it's ultimately a good thing because it was uh, it did provide entertainment and humor there. So uh, let's go ahead and get, and get into this. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Mr. Martinez will now get his phone, go to Letterbox, and look up the synopsis for um, this Let movie. Let me see if it's on the front. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's not a reboot. It's a comeback. Decades since their successful television series was canceled, Chip has succumbed to a life of suburban domesticity as an insurance salesman. Dale, meanwhile, has had CGI surgery and works the nostalgia convention circuit, desperate to relive his glory days. When a former castmate mysteriously disappears... Chippendale must repair their broken friendship and take on their rescue ranger detective personas once again to save their friend's life. The Disney Afternoon series was um, a really big thing, um, but at the time, I don't think I was born for for I to have even like um, been a part of it. I also didn't have the Disney Channel uh, until like. Maybe 2004, 2005, because in those days, the Disney Channel was considered premium TV, and like we had basic cable. So again, very different era, but a lot of the- That- Yes, go ahead. That lineup, though, I think is like early 90s. That's why, before I was born. So even even if like, I would never have had the opportunity to like, see a lot of these big things like, I don't know, like Tailspin or Darkwing Duck or the original DuckTales- Evidently, including this show, uh, the show that is is uh, talked about in, in this movie, the original uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Like there was a lot of like, that was the the Disney afternoon lineup that 
never really got me. I'm not even sure I saw any of those shows, honestly. Me neither. No. So, but they were very popular. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. DuckTales, those are Yeah, um, why, again, like, they they say it so many times, it becomes ingrained in this movie. Because, like, after you finish the film, Disney Plus takes you to the page of the actual show, Chip and Dale, right? Yeah. Why is there only one out of the three seasons on there? Oh, I have no idea. But seriously, like, Disney, like, why do you keep doing this? Like, don't you own every episode of this? Do you not own? Yeah. And wouldn't you, like, I don't know, dump it the week that this movie, like, I don't know. Like, do you think it just just capitalized the most out of these things? But honestly, I just think they own too much shit. They have too much things to, like, keep track of. And it slipped the cracks. What, people just forgot to upload it? Yeah. Yeah. They got other things to worry about. There are 50 million other properties. Yeah, anyway. So you had uh, said to me, uh, check out this movie uh, just because. And um, I don't think by no means does it, like, come close to the quality of you know, uh, the likes of Who Framed Roger Rabbit or the underappreciated masterpiece that is Looney Tunes back in action. Fuck off. I, I, I agree with you there. I think uh, back in action is very much slept on. I do not like yeah, it. Yeah, not just slept on. It was viciously attacked um, in the trades when it came out. And it was like labeled this bomb. And it was, it was awful. And I mean... I'm sorry, uh, there's a lot of nostalgia for the original Space Jam. I enjoy it, but it's not half the film back in action is. No, Space Jam is a bad film. <laughs> but it, it's it's a wonder as a novelty. It's an enjoyable bad movie. Yeah. I think back in action is legitimately great. I've always felt that way. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite Looney Tunes like, things ever. And um reminded me of why I love also Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And you have a situation with Chip and Dale, and that's not something I was expecting here in this story where you have a take on these characters where, you know, cartoons and humans live together and co- coexist, and it almost feels like it exists somewhere in the same pocket as Roger Rabbit does, weirdly enough. Um, because, but this is taking it to a level where it's like, it's not just like Disney you know, shelling out its own properties for, like, cameos. There's something interesting here where they go and, like, you see characters, cartoon characters, all across the board from seemingly every, like, studio or property imaginable. Mm -hmm. And you just didn't think, like, I never thought we'd ever see that again. Yeah, they get some, you think like, okay, you're going to see all the Disney animated characters. They get all kinds of animation. There's this moment where they have the cats from Cats fighting in an alley. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I (laughs) I mean, they have Batman in the film. They do? What was Batman? Yeah. 
they had that mock post or Batman versus. Oh, that's DC. right. Oh, yes, Batman versus ET. And and then they showed him watching the movie, and it's like ET's like ET forgive you. There was, I think, there was a moment where uh, was it Dale? He was pack- walking past the um, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and there was like a uh, Squidward had his own star. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Transformer from the old Transformer animated series. There's an um, endless number of Easter eggs in here. And I mean, the biggest surprise to me, I don't know. Oh. Because you don't really pay attention. Maybe you knew the internet. U- Ugly Sonic. I know of Ugly Sonic because I saw the trailer. Okay. I mean, we all saw that, that first Sonic trailer. But that's so weird. Yeah. Right? Like, 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 not only... One thing, of course, Sonic is not... um. It's it's not owned by Disney no, or anything. No, I don't know. But that was like this just this weird like internet cultural thing. Yeah. Where that first trailer came out with the ugly design and people complained. So like, okay, we're gonna change it. And they took ugly that that first design and like put him as his own character. That's so crazy to me. Like that was insane. Like I, and, I never <laughs> thought that would ever happen. And look, that there's something to appreciate. This is a character that's obviously from Sega, Sega Films, the Sega Games. Paramount distributed the movie. The Sonic films are, I mean, I think Paramount found their next cash cow with Sonic. They can keep making Sonic films to the end of time. The kids love Sonic, and those films have been very well received. Um, and they've made so much at the box office. But for them to, like, let Disney have that? And it's a self-deprecating thing, too, because, like, you know, this the studio was kind of shamed into dumping Ugly Sonic, as you said. Yeah, but that's what makes it so funny. It was just this weird niche internet cultural thing, and it, it just became, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, there's that, there's even that gag with, like, Joe Rogan's henchman character, where he sees, um... You mean uh, Seth Pumbaa. Rogen, not Seth Joe Rogen. Rogen. That's <laughs> not Joe Rogen. No, sorry, different Rogen. Um, Pumbaa, and I thought like, okay, that's the extent of the joke, obviously. But then they pull in his character Mantis from Kung Fu right, Panda, yeah. and the the blob from Monsters vs. Aliens. That's so weird, man. And I was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> that was not on my bingo card. Yeah. And and yeah, the different kinds of animation because they have, um, two D. Yeah, they have three D. They have claymation. There's Muppets in here too. They have like different kinds of CG. Yeah, they have Muppets. One of the cops was just a sock <laughs> puppet that just like came over. Like they they went through like and every kind of animation you can think of, and and they um they put it in there. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, it was it was worth watching just to see the different places it was willing to go. And it is nice to have like a property in this day and age where every studio is at war with each other and like hogging their IP. There was a time mm-hmm. that's how Roger Rabbit was, you know, able to be made, where studios would like no problem share their IP. Now you never see that. Well, not no problem. It was still a headache, but it was possible. Well, compared to now, yeah. it's no problem. Yeah. Now it's next sure. to impossible yeah, or completely impossible. So 
for this to exist? And then I think to me, what was an even bigger shock was that Disney allowed these people, these 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 evil geniuses here behind this movie, they allowed them to take what is perhaps one of the most synonymous characters in the pantheon of Disney. Like, you talk about Peter Pan. Is oh, Peter yeah. Pan in many ways is part of the face of what Disney is and what has always been. And for Disney to sign off what they do with his character here is just not something I'd ever thought they'd ever allow. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. It's like, whoa, how did this get past them? How did this get made? <laughs> but I mean, there's quite a few things. Yeah. It, it's it's one thing. It's like one thing that the way they, they portray like stuff outside of Disney. But then the way they portray stuff inside of Disney. Like you said, with um with Peter Pan, it's like I'm surprised yeah, there wasn't a Disney executive that's like ran in. It's like, we're not gonna allow them to do this shit like <laughs> i mean what they do to flounder oh my god, god that I... was <laughs> and then also if you don't know if you caught it but like there was a scene where chip and dale go to what is basically the black market and it's like uh called main street which and if you're a disney fan you think main yeah. street usa from disneyland i mean it was it literally was disneyland yeah main street. it was meant to evoke uh-huh. that yeah, especially because everything's like, oh, everything's hunky-dory, Disneyland, Main Street. And they're like, but behind the scenes, it's it's a dirty, disgusting, bad side of town. They're selling dirty cheese on the black market. It's like, God. you know what? Now that I remember, I think there was a South Park There was a South Park like cameo. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. There was Rick and Morty references, but there was a South Park cameo. Yeah. Fucking South Park. What the, the Simpsons were there, which is not surprising because Disney now owns them. Yeah, but yeah. South Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's crazy is more than other studios signing off, because that is crazy. Disney even allowing, like, these, like, signing off on them to appear in the first yeah. place. Right. Because you look at Roger Rabbit, of course Disney's going to want Bugs Bunny in uh-huh. their movie. Of course they're going to want Daffy Duck or Betty Boop, you know. But no no Disney executive's like, yeah, put Randy from South Park in, in the fucking... No, they're, they're the ones going like, I don't know about this. Um, Yeah, I mean... Uh... I love it's it's partly it, you could tell the team behind it was the Lonely Island. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the Lonely Island? With, yeah, Andy um, Samberg's team. They they Andy they Sandberg's were like a musical team. act, but they also they previously had a film Pop Star Never Stop Stopping and Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. I love Hot Rod. Um, so I always find them really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which 
I believe, did I they also do they, Palm Springs? Were they also like in the making of Palm Springs? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, no, no. I think that was just Andy Samberg. Um, the humor here wasn't that great for me. No. It was okay-ish. I, I'll, I'll say it this way. Yes, it was okay-ish. But by Disney standards, it was better. It's a lot better by Disney standards, yeah. yeah. But like generally speaking, I wasn't laughing a whole lot. I mean, I was laughing at the just the weird cameos and the weirdnessness of it all. Yeah, the entertainment came from the weirdness of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're like a fan of Chippendale, the show, yeah, I don't know how much there is here for you. <laughs> it's kind of like a goof on the show. There's a reunion of sorts, I guess. Yeah, the characters are technically all there. <laughs> technically. But um, as a film, it's definitely worth watching. Oh, it's a must-see. of it, yeah. Is that all? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of where we are. Okay, next we've got um, Men. Oh, I should bring it mm-hmm. up. Men. Men, 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 menly, men, men. Men, 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 menly, men. Two and a half men. Men. Directed by men. <laughs> but haunts you will find you. In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appearing to be appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears. So yeah, men. Um... Yeah, uh so yeah. listen, uh before we get into men, uh, look, I uh we have to make a couple of things I would say very very clear here. And that is uh you know, our past with uh, Mr. Garland here. I think he is an extraordinary filmmaker whose talents have been horrendously underappreciated for a long time now. Yes, everybody saw Ex Machina and yes, Ex Machina is a great film. An Academy Award-winning film, by the way. At least we forget that. But I won't forget how how dirty Annihilation was done. Because Annihilation is a tremendous motion picture. I'll say it. Mm -hmm. It's tremendous. It is no shortage of amazing. And no one saw it, and no one cared, and no one talks about it. But from those two films, very clearly um, is far beyond just a capable director, but one that is seemingly very uh, adept at many skills that are 
that have come together to build a style of sorts. Um, and you can tell from those two movies, he is someone with um, that knows how to operate, let's just say, a level of craft that you can associate with the word excellency. So there were some pretty sky-high expectations, I'd say, when it comes to men uh, with Alex Garland. And on the outset, I it does sadden me that uh, this didn't do better with the box office. Because I thought the trailer was pretty terrific. I hope people weren't scared off by the... From general audience perspective, the calling this movie men may seem weird and confusing. I don't know what it is, but I it's a horror movie. I think that would have been enough to draw people's attention, but apparently it wasn't. Um, so there, there is. I, I do want to say that basically what I've been saying. I have a tweet here from Jacob Hall regarding men. Um, <laughs> the what it's about is not as interesting as the how it's about. Few filmmakers build a visual and aural descent into the primal quite like Alex Garland. And we're lucky to have him. Deserves to be unpacked, critically so, but it demands to be seen with loudspeakers. Um, we have said <laughs> that 2021 was just, we said it so many times over and over again, 2000, that that year was an amazing year in movie. This year may be better. I'm going to say it pretty early on. It may be better. Because uh, maybe there's maybe only one movie this year I had like major reservations with, and we all know which one it was. But that has a whole like its own can of worms, right? With it being in that particular franchise, I would say when it comes to original movies this year, I've had a blast, and I've been very taken with the overall quality of many of the different films that we've seen just this year, whether it be The Lost City, whether it be uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, or The Northmen, or especially Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, it's just been... This, this was, by the way, this was an experience, this movie. Um, I think Breakfast All Day had it best. They put it best where um, they walked out of this theater after watching the film, not quite knowing what they just saw, but somehow still being mesmerized all the same. I won't forget, uh, Peter, you and I and, and Kyle, we walked out of this theater. We walked all the way to the car with not so much as a word shared amongst each other. It was just still very much <laughs> in the, in the you know, trying to process what it was that we had just witnessed. But uh, to state the obvious, I think the horror elements in this film are fucking great. I think Jesse Buckley is terrific. Rory Kinnear is creepy in all the right ways this role should be. And for my money, I had a really good time watching the film. I really did. 
Um, there's a lot going on as far as like um, messaging is concerned, and it's come to my attention. There's been some avid um, argumentation and debate, as it were. You know, the film twitters and the people on there love to do that about what exactly it was that this film was trying to communicate. Um, there's even debate whether um, the movie itself knows what it was trying to communicate. I know in some ways it is supposed to be an allegory for um, Jesse Buckley and the tragedy that she endured um, that sparks off her trip to this place. But listen, I think for, you know, from Alex Garland, for what it's worth, he has a tremendous capacity to make, you know, something that uh, is, you know, shot in broad daylight. It's just, you know, the English countryside and then also the, the beautiful woods he turns that into a nightmare. Yes. Um, and I think that is an achievement if, if I do say so myself. So I really liked the film. I had a really good time. Um, I think I had a very similar experience. To you. I really enjoyed the film. I think it's beautifully directed. I think it's beautifully made. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what the film was about entirely, but I think <laughs> there are some very general um, ideas, I think, that are pretty clear in my head about what the film is about. Uh, man, Alex Garland, he is someone... The one thing I like about him is he likes to lose his fucking mind in the third act. Which is great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fantastic. That's when you should lose mm -hmm. your mind. Le leave an impression. Uh, this one definitely left one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, There's some imagery, shall we say, here that I don't think I'll ever forget. Ah, uh, would have been perfect <laughs> for Mother's Day. Um... Yeah, it's, and also, I don't know if this is said very often, he also, he always has fantastic scores. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the music and the accompanying mood that is set mm -hmm. by his films are always really good. This one here. This is, this is, uh, I think it evokes a sense of being blown away, particularly in Annihilation. Yes. Um... But yeah, the performances are great. Jesse Buckley, that's the the yep. main woman. She's a fantastic we saw, actress. Yeah, we saw her earlier this year in uh, Lost Honor. Yeah, she's really, mm -hmm. really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, as a whole, how I entirely feel about it, I don't know. But as a movie experience, it was really good. And, and again, oh, yeah. it is that thing of like, I'm glad I can still go to the movie theaters and have an experience and be shocked and, and leave going like, I don't know entirely what I saw. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's becoming rarer and rarer. I mean, I felt that when we saw Annihilation, I remember my yeah. review being like, I'm just glad I was able to see this movie in a theater. Uh, and it's not like things have gotten better since then. Although Men is a much more traditional um, horror, horror movie. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, okay, you know. Um, 
but yeah, I had a I had a good time with it. I was never bored. Really well made. And yeah, these are the kind of horror slash sci-fi I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, just the idea, right? Like this is um you see it in the trailer, so um not necessarily getting anything away, but just so you are aware, we are we may go into some spoiler territory here. But from the trailer, you have Rory Kinnear, who seemingly is like playing every man in the town. I, I would assume henceforth the name of the film, Men. Mm-hmm. And then Jesse Buckley, our main character here, is just seemingly unaware of the fact that um, every man in the town looks exactly the same. Um, And so, yeah. And he also, Garland, I should say, Wow, like he's really good at um, building suspense, isn't he? And you're getting you all anxious, just like, okay, what's next? What's next? He doesn't rush to it. He takes his time. But um, as you say, completely just like unleashes himself, if you will, in that third act. But I will also, I'll also say that with this one, it did take a good bit of time for some of the what i would um associate to be horror movie red flags not like red flag is like oh no this may not be a good experience for me as a viewer red flag is in like movie characters and what to look out for and when to like run the fuck away so there was well it starts off automatically with you don't know what you're seeing mm-hmm. a man is falling off the roof presumably to his death then we cut to the countryside she takes a tour of this home that she's renting here for two weeks. And then, yeah, it's just, and it, it's a very like charming, wonderful, you know, film. It's enjoyable. And then the first thing I think that just throws us off. And I remember just like, those like gasps, I think just like, wait, what, what did we all just see? Um, we were, I think she, uh, Jesse Buckley was um, FaceTiming one of her friends and what do we see, Peter? I want you to describe this. Like some demon face screaming. Like, I don't Like, it's um, staticky, the phone. Uh-huh. And it's kind of inner cuts really quickly. And that, to me, I was like, I'm done. Like, ooh, no, 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 no. I would, the minute I see that, hang up, get in the car, and drive as fast as you can. That, that that's what we call like a major hell no like no <laughs> that was that was bad mm-hmm. i mean it was great in the moment in the moment that it came but just like that 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 shit was like oh fuck and then again deliberate pacing but the stuff that happens next is certainly not what i was expecting but Let's just say unsettling all the same, which is when she goes on a wonderful walk in the woods, though she may not have um, uh, may not have been the wisest decision to go off on her own. Let's just say that because she happens to stumble upon what seems like to be this abandoned railway station and she happens to, for whatever reason, lurk inside the darkness of it and again 
as as much as you said that like a lot of the scores that um accompany Garland's films are great, I feel the same can be said for the sound design. Oh yeah. Because what the sounds that she makes in this tunnel, railway tunnel, if you will, and you think you would know it if you saw the trailer, like, if you hear that sound now, you'll remember where that sound came from. And that's from men. And that's from here. Um, but it turns out, Peter, she's, and again, this is all from the trailer, so it's not getting it away, but she's not exactly alone. In that railway tunnel. No. When when you see a shadowy figure stand up and start running, I was like, bitch, run. What was she doing just standing there like that? She was just kind is- of like fast walking. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not fast walk. You sprint. You describing that moment just, I'm not even kidding. There's like chills going down my spine right now. Because how fucking scary that sounds like. This shadowy yeah. figure from across the way gets up. You see him get up. And then he starts running at you. That is some... That's like heart racing stuff right there. Run! Yeah. What are you doing? Get the fuck out of there. Um. Oh my god. And yeah, the the horror stuff... Well, okay, I wanted to say it starts off very traditional. Yeah, sure, yeah. But that's kind of not true because one of the first things you noticed is all the men in the town are played by the same actor. Mm -hmm. Rory Kinnear here. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's something, I don't want to say supernatural, but just... A miss. Uh, a miss off off kilter mm-hmm. um, non-traditional in its horror there's something not right here yeah um but it's not really until you get to the be- the end of the second act that stuff starts to become like is this even real is this all just sort of meant to be taken as symbolic yeah what's going on here is there's no clear like it's this this or that. No, that it third is act insane. is insane. Yeah. I mean, before we even get to that, but I mean, uh what did you make of um but what did you think this was going to be before we got to the third act? Because at first it seemed like it was going to be a stalker. Uh cuz and this is pretty like again, effectively done. She's running away from the shadowy figure. She goes all the way to the other end of this railway. She climbs up. And then this is pretty creepy, too. She seems to stumble upon an abandoned camp slash village. And there's, like, some pretty dark things that you feel in the air. And then she uh, happens to uh, get out of the woods and onto the field. And she's basically like scot free. She doesn't see or hear anything. And then she turns around. She takes a picture. And what's standing there, Peter? Penis. Yeah. 
I love the reveal of that because that was like, oh no. And and I think it's even like creepier. He's just like standing there and He's staring. He's just standing there. It's almost like he could have gone to her this whole time, but he's just curious. He wants to see what she does. And it's just like, oh my. And again, she turns around, doesn't look back, starts walking away. And it's like, first of all, at this point, he's naked. You know something's wrong. Right? It's not just like some nice guy who wanted to say hi and be like, oh... Are you visiting the village? No. This motherfucker is dirty. He's naked. Not a good time. And he's chasing you. And he's chasing you. But still, she's kind of, um... <laughs> not hauling ass like I would, I would say. Yeah, she just walks away. Just walks away. I would be running, like... And, you know, it's interesting. It's just, like, the thought process of all of that she goes back and she doesn't like tip anybody off about that not until it comes back to her yeah i i would have told someone like anyone because that's it's bad news i wouldn't want anybody yeah. else to stumble upon that because you never know and also like yeah you know you don't know what's gonna it's a small village and he could potentially follow you home. Which, guess what? He did. That was a big thing when they reveal he's like in the, like behind her in the house. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and all that was like really good horror and I'd say relatively straightforward. The point where you realize that, like, every man is, like, played by Rory Kinnear. Things get even weirder where, like, um, she gets to the church. And then she has the discussion with, like, the father version of Rory Kinnear. What do you make of that exchange? Um... Uh, well, that was... At this point, I think in that part of the, the film, you're starting to sort of see, like, imagery, you know? Where you where it's like, man, this must mean something. I don't know what it means, but it means something. Mm -hmm. um, which, of course, sets up sort of her interaction with uh, this version of men. And, um... This is like right after the child, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if there was any criticism, that CGI could have been better. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't the best. Yeah. And I get it's difficult, but that's maybe leave that a uh, mask on a little more. Um but her her sort of discussion with the father that was great acting on both parts mm -hmm. this thing of her trying to finally get some stuff off her chest and and initially you really feel like oh this guy gets it he's really piecing through her trauma and stuff 
And then when he's like, you know, it, it must have hurt you to, um, you must feel so guilty for pushing him to do that. <laughs> like I, that to me, it, it's like the same reaction uh, as, you know, it broke my heart to put that tumor in her head. It's like, what? Like, what did you say? Um, it's like, oh, you know, you didn't give him the opportunity to forgive. It's like he fucking socked her in the face. Uh, her ex-husband. Well, dead husband. Well, sock, yeah, <laughs> dead ex, whatever. Um, yeah, he socked her in the face and she like, she f- not just fell back, but she was pushed back from that strike. Oh, yeah. She was knocked on the floor. It, it kind of not. It wasn't over the top, but it reminded me almost of *Malignant*. Oh yeah, when just like boom into the back of her head. Yeah, but that's where it's like there's just something so sinister to everyone here in this town. Um, I'm surprised they even had that female officer. It makes you wonder, right? Like, what was her deal? Was she even there? Or was this all in, like, like Jesse Buckley's mind? Or, like, again, these are just questions that you have. Like, I mean, it wasn't in her mind because you see damage repeatedly throughout the film, like, which suggests it's real. But, like, if every man looks the same, is that just the reality? Or is it just the reality to whatever's tormenting Jesse Buckley right then and there, like, I don't know the answers to these questions. And I don't think there are answers to some of them. I'm going to be honest. Um, Like, the whole, is it, was it real thing? Like, what was it? I don't think there's any answer to what it was, mm-hmm. right? I think there's only some answers to what it represents, what it means. You know, um, do you want to talk about the ending? Let's do it. Uh, in the third act, she's getting tormented by the men of the town. Why they don't say, they just decide it's time to attack her. And every single one. And it's this thing of like, okay, this isn't. Every single one of the men are the same entity, basically. Um, and I mean, you've already seen that visually with them all being played by the same actor, same face. But it's really hit home now. As she's attacked, attacked individually because each one is the same. And by the end, and they're they're all attacking her in different ways. By the end, and again, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it means. They start to give birth. One of the, the men gives birth to another of the men. And that man gives birth to another of the men. And that man gives birth to another of the men. And it's not just... It's very detailed. 
um, like full on human anatomy detailed these births now, and they're no pretty... joke. You're watching a man give birth. Um, yeah. and it's in all of its detail. It's not as if like, oh, mm-hmm. you see, like, oh, that's happening off screen. No, you see all of it. And Alex Carlin makes sure you do. He gets that camera yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, takes the phrase uh, a bussy to a, a, no, a whole other level. Uh, and the thing is, they're giving birth to full-grown men. Not babies. Full-grown men. So it kills them. It's it's this unbelievably disgusting body um body horror type thing going on. Uh I've never seen it before, but it was pretty incredible visually. I guess that to me it was pretty incredible visually. And I think comparatively, as far as disgusting is concerned, although I will say maybe this other film I'll bring in here maybe has like um maybe it can't get more disgusting than that, but remember society? That's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. As far as like body horror, naked, disgusting nature. Society is it's still the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Yeah. As far as like a mainstream film. It gets real fucked up in there. And no CG, it's just writhing and jelly and body and oof. Not great. But here, like it's it's up there with with just you haven't I've seen a lot of horror. You have seen a lot of horror. I haven't seen that. No. And what's so funny is by then, uh, Jessie Buckley, her character, she's kind of fucking done. <laughs> yeah, I love her reaction. She's just like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, like she's not even like in horror or shock. She's just like, I'm, I'm. She I'm just walks away. This. Like, yeah. She's just trying to walk away. From because it. it gets to a point where like, okay, you know what? What? Why are we here? What? <laughs> Like, I feel like that's the character, like, in, in her mind is like, you know what? That's it. I'm just, I'll wait for you when you're done with this over there. I think I would be too um, at that point. Like, you know what? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and I mean, I guess to me, one, I, to me, this is like the the most obvious, like, you know, the phrase, like, all men are the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the most obvious reading you can look into with a lot of that imagery of um, the sort of weird men, the weird way men are with women are sort of found everywhere. And that's what led to her the destruction of her relationship and the end of the life of her husband. And it's something she can't escape because to escape it would be to escape men sort of thing. Um, 
I kind of see that there. Because, cause like, by the end, when each man is giving birth to the other, and the way she's kind of like, I'm fucking done with this. It's kind of like a fight, right? Like, a couple fight, and, like, one, it's just like, I'm done. Like, I'm trying to walk away. Which is kind of where you start with the movie, where she's trying to get a divorce, and he's like, I'll kill myself. Um, I mean, a divorce, that's terrible, but, like... Not only are you saying you're going to kill yourself, but it's going to be your fault. Pretty toxic, my dude. Seems like extortion. Yeah. Love me or kill myself. Your choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, similar, I think, to uh, Annihilation, which following... In the months following Annihilation, there was so many fantastic um, films, not films, video um, essays, videos and breakdowns into the meanings and the ideas behind Annihilation. They just all went over my head the first time I saw it. And I think the same thing's going to happen here where there's just I'm going to there's going to be some great video essays on men. And I'm just going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I see it now. Like this, this, that, that. Um, there's little hints to things here and there that that you see, um, but as far as like making too many connections, I'm not there yet. It's still sitting with me, and also I'm kind of dumb, so yeah. <laughs> That's a very <clears throat> that something. I don't know if it's just me here, but um, I think I'm kind of dying. Um, all right, it's okay, it's fine. Um, I really like the film, and I like you. Um, feel as if like a lot of the stuff that was being telegraphed here just I'm too dumb to understand it. So, I look forward to the video essays that come out later in the fall, uh, or maybe even in the late summer, who knows? And maybe then it can make it and you know, dumb it down for the rest of us to see. But genuinely speaking, I'm 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 kind of unbothered by the idea that I'm not like able to understand a lot of what's in the text because for my money, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the film. Um it was a new experience. I appreciate them all more and more now. Um and yeah. That's just kind of where I la- I land with the film. Absolutely worth the watch. I I would say so. I agree. Well, with all that being said, we will see all of you next time here on Red Spotlight. Bye-bye.